0: And she bangs on the door, but nobody answers. And I almost jokingly say to Hudson, I bet there's someone in there dead. <laughs> ah. The reaction of rectilialis on the vertebrate of the reconciliation of the placebo effect oh, we're in two, four, with uh, 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 reaction. Hey, it's Dan Class. It's time for the bitterest bell. At least you would hope so. You know, I think I just, uh, recorded in finger quotes. I think I just talked to you, uh, for 15 minutes and I didn't record it. Thereby only creating the illusion for myself that I was talking to you, when in fact I was talking to myself. I'm checking the machine now to see. We are actually recording. How are you? I'm fine. My lips are a little numb. My throat's a little... Right, because what basically what happened was... uh, This morning, my friend Tommy G. um, wrote me... Now, a year ago, about this time, he wrote me. said, hey, uh, Al and I are recording this song for this weird song competition thing. It's called Song Fight or something. I don't know. And, um, don't you play harmonica? And I was like, nah, you know, 30 years ago, I bought a harmonica. Does that count? And they're like, yeah. So then I ended up playing really horrible harmonica on this silly song that they did. And so then Tommy writes me this morning, like, hey, Danny, remember the harmonica? So right now, I was trying to record the harmonica, the harp. You know, if I was cool, I'd call it a harp, you know. Trying to record the harp into the microphone, playing (laughs) that kind of thing. And it makes your lips really, really numb after a while and you start to hyperventilate and get lightheaded and maybe that's maybe that's the attraction of the harmonica is the dizziness i don't know how to play okay Enough of that because I already talked about that before 15 minutes ago when I was talking before and you didn't hear me because you weren't listening because I wasn't recording. (laughs) Now, the good thing about talking into the microphone and but 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 not recording is you really get a sense of what is boring. And apparently what I was saying before was boring. So I don't think I will recount for you, my friend, uh, the tales of my taxation with representation because it's just not that interesting. Yes, I paid my taxes. Yes, apparently we owed this year. We owed this year, but we owed this year because I didn't fill out the forms right. No, it's all a semantics, isn't it? Every year, do you go through the same kind of like, uh, where... See, if I fill my forms out right, when I get these silly jobs, either the government takes out a lot of money, and then in April, March, April, I have to try to get it back. Or they don't take out a lot, a lot of money, and then they rip it back anyway. But what happens is, inevitably, if you have to pay your taxes, you feel worse than if you've already paid them, and it just right happened behind your back. So apparently, when I get jobs this year, I have to... Uh, you know, fill it out as married zero. That way they'll take a lot out behind my back, you see. And then I'll have to try to get it back from them in March with all my deductions and whining. But the key really to being a successful and happy American is to be taxed behind your back. And I honestly don't mind being taxed. I just don't want to be taxed more than I need to. So I have all my deductions, you know, my expenses for all, like, you know, my fancy headshots and uh, such. But yeah, this year we had to pay a couple thousand. And that always hurts, even though I know, well, you know, they would have taken it anyway behind my back. But still, something about writing that check with all the zeros and commas and the dollar signs. An insult to your injury, when you write a check, you have to write it twice. Right, you have to write the number version and then the words version. So it's bad enough you have to write like two or three or whatever thousand comma thou, zero zero dot whatever, and then you have to write it out in words. Just to rub it a rub of a Actually, was it two? We were gonna we we were gonna. Let me tell you something. We were gonna owe like seven, but I opened a four hundred one k. So now I have a four hundred one k. That makes me feel so adult. Which is good. I should have a four hundred one k. Listen, I'm going to die of old age soon. I should have something, shouldn't I? I'm not even really clear, honestly, what a four hundred one k is. You probably have two or three of them. Can you have multiple four hundred one k's, or is that just kind of like a one per? Uh, I don't know how it works. So, what we're going to talk about today is science, and more, and more specifically, science fairs. Now, if you'll recall. When the president of the United States, Monsieur uh, Barack Hussein Obama, the first, gave his State of the Union address, one of his rallying cries, my friend, was, we need to applaud as much for the winner of the Super Bowl as we do the winner of the science fair. And everybody clapped like, finally, a, a, a smart, president instead of one that's just like hey how you doing you know so um my son ended up my son is in middle school so now he has electives and one of his electives at the beginning of the school year this year was science fair now apparently at his school now they don't just do a science fair i guess they used to do a science fair where everybody in the school could participate in a science fair well now it's an elective which I think serves many purposes. Number 1, it's an elective. Therefore, they don't have to think of a different elective. They can just offer science fair as an elective, you know, during school. And then also then that teacher doesn't have to stay after school and screw around with the science fair. Win-win. So, my son in September, October, November, December, whatever, was doing science fair. And I say to him, "Hey son, so when is the science fair? Is it coming up?" He's like, "Ah, it's April." And I say, really? And he says, yeah, April. And I say, well, why are you doing it now? And he says, I don't know. No, we've never done a science fair. So we don't know if you're supposed to take a month to do it, six years to do it. We have no, we don't, we know nothing. Well, he does science fair and he does an experiment where, um, where he wants to see what the electrical output is of certain fruits. Now, for a man of his intellect, not necessarily the most challenging experiment, but listen, uh, yeah, okay, let's go into these things slowly, shall we? So he gets a bunch of fruit and a voltometer, and he sets about you know, collecting his data, and he does his thing, and he makes his presentation board, and uh, he gets his grade or whatever, and he puts it away. And then his second trimester comes and goes, and then now we're in April, and now it's time for science fair. So I say to Hudson a couple of weeks ago, "Hey, buddy, uh, what's going on with science fair?" And he's like, "Hey, uh, I don't know." And I say, "Well, uh, don't you think it's kind of weird? I I don't feel like I've seen anything from the school." And he says, "Yeah, they haven't really said anything." And I'm thinking, you know, Dan, Dan, you're really good at losing stuff. So it could be that the teacher sent a lot of paperwork home. And you've lost it, but apparently, you know, Hudson had registered for the science fair because uh, he remembered to do that, and you do that online. And okay, okay, and I'm just thinking, well, okay, well, let's let's dig into this. So we don't hear anything. So finally, we all a couple. I say to a couple of the other parents, hey, listen, I don't mean to be an idiot, but did I lose the uh, the paperwork for the science fair? Because now that we have email, see, and all the parents are on email lists, it's better to do that. What you can do is rattle the cage without really rattling it. You can rattle the parental cage before you rattle the scholastic cage. <clears throat> because someone else is always eager to rattle the other cage, right? So I'm like, did I lose it? And then the moms are like, no. And I didn't lose it either. Where You know what I mean? So somebody's I'm going to talk to Mrs. Science Teacher, and I'm going to see what's going on. So they talk to Mrs. Science Teacher, and she's got nothing for us. And she keeps saying things like, well, you know, in the past, uh, some of the parents, you know, you could get together and maybe carpool out there. And I'm like, uh, really? We're going to carpool out to Pasadena during a school day? A bunch of school kids during a school day, we're gonna, the parents are gonna carpool and drive the school kids to a school elective representing the school. Now, as a parent, do you see how maybe I would assume that, how shall I say this, the school would maybe send a chaperone to go to the science fair, you know, with the school kids, maybe in the school bus? Remember a couple of years ago when you were all proud that you bought one of those little half school buses? Why don't we, instead of, right, putting the football team in there, the volleyball team, why don't we put the science kids in there on Friday, uh, April, whatever, and haul their skinny asses out to Pasadena? So the parents keep asking the question, hey, chaperone, hey, you know, transportation, and we keep getting back, hey, well, you know, you know, Hey, how about that? You know, maybe Mrs. school teacher, she might yeah, she might be out there Thursday when it's, you know, the registration day, she might swing by. Really? Not not Friday when they have to be there all day? Uh-huh. So now it is dawning on us quickly. The school is not going to the science fair, you know the one that they got all the kids torqued up about? The science teacher is not going. You know who's going? Because, see, the other moms that are interested... Now, there are a couple moms that their kids just decide not to go. Uh, Ironically, a couple of those moms, very available. But the mothers that have kids that are going, they're not as available. Some of them have this thing called work. So guess who ends up like, oh... Okay, I guess Dan is going to volunteer to go to the science fair all day. Because the other option seems to be, (laughs) and I think this was suggested by even this Mrs. Science teacher. We know the, the, the Pasadena Convention Center is right next to that new shopping center. So the kids could just go over there for lunch. So the kids could go in, you could drop them off. You know, maybe someone could drop them off in the morning and go home. And then at lunchtime, I'm sure they could go across the street into the shopping center, get themselves lunch, go back and be on time. And then at five o'clock, maybe somebody else pick them up. Now, listen, I don't know about where you live. And I don't know, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you're not a psychotic, helicoptering, neurotic L.A. Right. I've seen drug busts three doors down type of parent, maybe in Pasadena at the Civic Center. It's just so milk toasty, safey, safeo that you would actually consider doing something like that. There's no way that yours truly, Daniel P. Class, the whatever, first, second, third. I don't know what I am anymore. There's no way that I'm going to drop off Hudson and then drive away. And he and his kid and every science geek jackass from L.A. County is just going to be swarming around the convention. That's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah, maybe my co-parents and I are raising our kids like Veal. Maybe we are. Maybe we're raising a bunch of little show dogs. Maybe I'm doing exactly what I swore when I was a non-child-rearing comedian I would do. Because I swore up and down I would not raise a show dog and look what I'm doing. But... So I end up volunteering to drive out to Pasadena and being a chaperone. Now, luckily, as it turns out, someone else also did that. The aunt, aunt of one of the young ladies going. So I was going to drive out and and it turns out I was going to take two kids other than Hudson. And she was going to drive out and she was going to take one or two other than her niece. So I think, okay, great. Well, listen... I'll hang out with this woman I've never met. It's no big deal. And I'll get some work done or maybe we'll chit-chat. Maybe, we will, maybe I will chit-chat with this woman from 9 in the morning to noon. And then we'll have a lunch break with the kids. And then maybe she and I will chit-chat again from 2 p.m. to 5. Which sounds right up my alley. 18 hours of chit-chatting. So basically, the science fair, I have to drive Hudson to Pasadena on Thursday to drop off his thing, his display, and set it up and register. And then Friday is the actual science fair from 9 to 5. Then Saturday is the rest of it where people can go and hang out and some famous mural guy is going to paint a whale, going to paint a picture of a whale, not on a whale, but he's going to be there wheeling or lilin or Leland or whatever his name is. And then Saturday night is the awards uh, 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 event. So, some of them, no dad, I was the only dad involved. That's why I'm going to say moms. And let's face it, I'm a mom. I've been married enough, parent for long enough now. I think we should just accept the fact that I'm a mom, okay? So, the other mom's thinking, you know what? I, my son's got lacrosse practice, so I'm going to take him out of school on Thursday. At one, so we can drive over there and drop the stuff off in Pasadena. Now, I guess if you live in one of those sporty spice houses, that's kind of the thing to do. I'm going to take the kid out of school so he's not late for sports practice. I I guess maybe in your world, you don't live in the topsy-turvy world like I do, where I leave the kid in the school. And then in my time, they don't go to some extracurricular thing and drive their ass to Pasadena for the science fair. I know I have these weird, like, geeky, freaking, right, Uh, I don't understand dance from another planet. Okay. So Hudson and I are going to drive out after school on Thursday to drop off. Now, I have a big Hollywood meeting on Thursday. See, I was going to take him out a little bit early, just a little, just beat the traffic early, but I accidentally made an appointment to have this big Hollywood meeting, which we will discuss. So I have my big Hollywood meeting at 2, that's going to go till 3, I'll go get Hudson, I'm probably going to pick him up at the normal time, about 3.35, and then we'll haul ass out to Pasadena. His mom is going to pick up sister, and they're going to go home, and the girls are going to have a girl night, and the boys are going to go out to Pasadena and have boy night, okay. So I go have my big Hollywood meeting. Now what this Hollywood meeting was, to make it shorter, is... um. I got I to gotta start going back out into the real world and auditioning for TV shows and films, right? So I have this meeting with a management team. Yes, I know. It sounds very serious, doesn't it? Now, this management team, I'm introduced to this management team by my dear, dear friend, Timothy Coyne. And they agreed to meet with me. And we have a lovely meeting, and they look at my reel, which is always weird to look at yourself near other people like you're sitting there watching yourself on TV. With It's just creepy. But we have a lovely meeting, and we discuss the whole thing and management, management. And basically what happens is you have an agent or a manager. If you have an agent, and this is where it gets a little sticky, and I might even need your advice on this because I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around both angles. If you have an agent, this is Hollywood 101, here we go. Your agent tries to get you work by looking and seeing what jobs are available and kind of submitting you to be considered for those jobs. And then if you get an audition, blah, 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 get the job, then they get 10% typically of what you make on that job. And they get 10% of everything you make on that job, or at least for a while or whatever. I forget exactly how it goes with TV residuals. But anyway, because eventually you're getting checks for like 25 cents, you know. So that's an agent. So an agent tries to get you work. If they get you work, they get 10%. Now, these people are managers. Now, what that means is they manage your entire career. Okay. Now, partly they operate like an agent operates. They try to get you work. Now, my interest in being with them, being managed, quote unquote, by them, is they get Tim a lot of auditions. So they act sort of like an agent. They're constantly like... Submitting, 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 so you can be considered for roles. Okay. But because they're not your agent, they're your manager, which means they're, again, I said it before, they're managing your whole career, which means they want a percentage of everything. So I say, yeah, so um, how does that work? And they're like, no, 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 across the board. And I'm like, really? So even my commercial money? And they're like, across the board. And I'm like, yeah, but, 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 um, uh, you know, I have SBV, I have my agent. I have my agents over there and they get me work. And I've been doing this for 10 or 15 years they're across the board. Now, they don't say it like that in a deep across the... You know, they don't say that. What they say is, well, you know, we're an exclusive shop. We're very small. But if we didn't do across the board, we just did TV and film, then we couldn't keep the doors open. So we have to, you know, it's TV, film, commercial. That's how we do it. No, 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 So my brain, you know, my very practical, pragmatic, you're a poor man living off your wife part of my brain says, well, dude, so basically... Your commercial agent's going to get you commercial work. You're going to make X number of dollars for that. And then for nothing, those people are going to get, what, 15% of that? And then the other part of my brain goes, but dude, you might audition for The Mentalist. And I'm like, yeah, but then the other part of my brain goes, yeah, but it's going to cost me 15% of everything to audition for The Mentalist. And the guy, even in the in the meeting, said, "Well, listen, we can definitely get you. Know, but, but you know, if you were to work even like book one job this year, that would be pretty good." And I'm like, "Yeah, one job, one TV job that pays about a thousand dollars, but I'm going to pay you cash money, ten percent of everything, and everything, commercials, voiceover, TV, film. They probably want ten. They probably want fifteen percent of the podcast. You, well, they can have it." But I gotta get out there, so I'm really torn. You know what I mean? I'm really torn. So I leave. Now we have a great meeting. I really like these people. I think they could do a lot of good for me. I mean, there's the the they are not the downside. The people are not the downside. The situation is not the downside. The reality of the situation is the reality of the situation. I'm incredibly fortunate to be in the position where I have to make this decision, but I can't make it because my brain is going. Your wife's job is f- going to be over. At any moment, you just never know. We're really feeling that like she's hanging from a rope and the rope's on fire and it's getting thinner and there's someone sawing at it while it's burnt. You know what I mean? So that extra 15%, it's really a drop in the bucket, but it's mine already. You know what I mean? It's just weird, but I would get out. I might be able to audition for the mentalist. So I'm thinking about all this as I'm driving away from my meeting and um going to get Hudson to take him to Pasadena and his sister's going to go with his mom and they're going to have girl night and we're going to have boy night. And I'm standing in CVS because I really want to have a zone bar. So I go into CVS and I'm trying to buy a zone bar and a diet uh, root beer. And I'm talking to Tim Coyne on the phone. I'm like, dude, uh, you know, these people are awesome, but uh, I can't, you know, my, I just need to make some huge uh, paradigm shift. And my wife starts texting me violently. Call me. Call me. And I'm like, baby, really? I can't stand in CVS and get a diet root beer without call me? Call me. So I'm like, Tim, I got to go. My my ear is vibrating. Melissa's texting me about something. She's going crazy. And I look at my phone. It says, call me now. Something happened to Tolu. So I call her, so I don't know what happened, but to lose in a lot of pain, she says her neck really hurts, she's been sitting in the office crying since lunchtime, and it's now 2.30, and where are you? And I gotta go, we gotta go, who's closer to school? And I'm like, well, honey, I just left my big Hollywood meeting, I'm, you're closer. The house is very close. She's like, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go, and i uh, called the doctor because you always got to call the pediatrician. And tr- please promise me, my friend, that if anything ever happens to your child, before you do anything, before you take him to the hospital or specialist or your chiropractor or whatever, call your pediatrician. Please, just please. So I hang up and I'm driving to school frantically. I'm no longer thinking about the big decision about 15%. Who cares? My daughter, my tiny little gorgeous eight-year-old blonde supermodel superhero daughter, she's in pain. She's crying. She's been crying since lunchtime and I've got to get to the school and I've got to get there fast. So I get to the school and I call my wife. And I'm like, baby, where are you? She's like, we're just leaving school. And I'm like, where are you? And she says, well, I just pulled over because I had to shut my trunk. And I'm like, okay. So I see her and I say, baby, because we're on the phone and I say, baby, how's my baby? And she says, she's very upset. We're going to the hospital. I talk to the doctor. We're going to the hospital. I'm like, but baby, can I, can you pull over? Cause I see you. I'm, I'm, me. I'm actually right behind you. Can you just pull over so I can say hello to my daughter? And she's like, but she's in pain. And I'm like, I, I want to see my daughter. And she's like, but it really hurts. And I'm like, "Ah." she'd rather just talk. And I'm like, I know. I know, but I'm being selfish because I want to see her. I know she, I, I want her to see me, and that's going to kind of make me feel a little better, but I, I admit it, I want to see her. But she's comfortable. She's laying down in the seat, and her neck really hurts. And the doctor said she has to go to the hospital because she should probably get examined somewhere where there's an x-ray machine, just in case. And I'm saying over the speakerphone to my wife and my daughter, "Tea, honey? When I was your age, I think I hurt my neck exactly how you hurt your neck. I did something and I did was I was just playing around and then my neck went like like that. And then all of a sudden I couldn't bend it. And I had to walk around for a day and a half with my ear on my shoulder. And it hurt like crazy, but then it got better. So I bet, honey, that there's nothing wrong with you. Please, God, please. Hello, Buddha, Allah, Krishna, whoever it is, please don't let there be anything wrong with my daughter's neck. But honey, I'm pretty sure when I was about 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, I don't know. I just remember having to go to yoga with my mom because my neck hurt. I don't know what happened. And she's like, okay, daddy, I love you, daddy. And my wife, all right, well, we're going to the hospital. So they raced to the hospital and they get Hudson. And we run home so I can grab him a snack and make sure the dogs had a good pee and um, whatever. And we take off. And we real, we kind of feel guilty, both of us, because we feel like we should go to the hospital in case there's something actually wrong with her. But we all agree we're, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go straight to Pasadena and get back as fast as we can in case something's wrong. But we're going to keep in close radio contact. So we've got our snacks and our beverages, and we've got the science project, and his uh, uh, you, you know uh, application forms and all that jazz, all the jazz that he needs, and we've got directions and all that, and we're screaming down the freeway, and we're going to take this freeway to that freeway to that freeway because the carpool lanes. It's not the most direct route, but it's probably the fastest route, and when we got to go downtown, and that's going to be slow, but it's okay because I got some music, I got some co- comedy. I got some stand-up comedy we're going to listen to and some music, and we're all set, and my phone rings, and it's my wife. I'm like, baby, how's my baby? And she's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, listen. Tolu is starving. We're at the hospital, and Tolu is starving, and there's only vending machines here, but I left my wallet at home. Ha, 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 Uh Uh-huh. So you're at Cedars up in Beverly Hills, essentially. Okay? You're you're up in Beverly Hills. I'm way the friggle frag down on the 105 freeway south of the airport. And you have no wallet, which means no money, no cash, no credit card, no ATM card, no nothing. Now, this is after we realized that I never gave her the new health insurance card. See, as of April 1, <laughs> um, we have different health insurance. Now we're on the Screen Actors Guild health insurance and not her job health insurance. And I never gave her the card. So I had to go home, scan it. No, she says she has... No, and this is a typical wife thing. And I don't... It, it, are all marriages like this? Why do we have to have this conversation? She texts me or calls me or whatever and says, I don't have the insurance card. So I say, I'll scan it and send it to you. And then she says, can't you just take a picture of it with your phone? And I say, my phone doesn't take good. Well, I'm standing at the scanner. I'm already scan. Why do you have to intervene on my methodology? What is wrong with me? Sc- I'm standing right here. Well, I just thought, if that, if that. don't think. I didn't ask you to think. I didn't ask you to micromanage what I'm doing. You don't have the card. I'm getting it done. But my wife, for some reason, I don't know what what crazy day we had one day where I said, honey, whatever you do, second guess for me, please out loud every decision I make until I die. Until I die or I kill you first. And trust me, I think I know which is going to happen in what order. Can't you just take a picture of it with your phone? No, my phone. Are you kidding? I have an iPhone point five. You don't right? You want them to be actually, right? Be able to see the numbers on. Can you just let me and without the, at right? So we've been on the road for 15 minutes and she calls and tells me that I have to, right? Bring her money. Now there is no easy, fast shortcut way to get from where we were to where she were. Okay. There's a roundabout way which is maybe fast, hopefully, or straight-through way, which is, oh my gosh, we're going to be in traffic for three hours. So Hudson and I basically drive home and get my wife her wallet and the insurance card. We get my daughter a snack, and we head over to the hospital. Now, as we're heading to the hospital... I get an email or a text message, that's what it was, a text message from my commercial agents saying that I have an audition tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, Friday, the day that I'm chaperoning the science fair. Now, I had already called them, and I hate to do this. It's called booking out. You book out, which means you can't audition on that day. And I'm like, I didn't want to know this. So I call the assistant. I'm like, Ken... I booked out for tomorrow. And he's like, I know, it went through by mistake, I know. And I'm like, but Ken, now I know. Now I know that when I'm sitting in Pasadena just kind of waiting there, I'm not auditioning. And he's like, I know. But because my wife micromanages everything I do, I have this hour-long fear that no matter what direction I go to get there, she's going to ask me how I got there and why I didn't go a different way and why it took so long. And why did I stop at home when really all she needed was money and why did I... But I was wrong. When we get there, she's actually in a great mood and so is my daughter, although she's still in pain. But they're very happy to see us. They're happy that we brought a snack. Maybe it's because she's just trying to keep my daughter's spirits up. Maybe that's what it is. If my daughter has neck pain every day, my wife will treat me like I'm someone she's in love with. So we're heroes. We've got the money. We've got the credit cards, the ATMs. We've got the insurance card. We've got a snack of pumpkin bread. It's in a Ziploc uh, Tupperware thingy. So we're like, okay, well, listen, we got to go to Pasadena. Okay. Hey, Hudson, do you need to use the bathroom? Well, no. Well, I need to use the bathroom. Trust me. I go before I leave anywhere and you know, so do you want to come with me? It's like, all right. So there's three little, you know, single user bathrooms right there in the ER at Cedar Sinai, Los Angeles, LA, Beverly Hills, whatever. <coughs> so I said, Hudson, we're going together. Okay, don't touch anything, stay by me, we're going together, we're going together. Because trust me, the ER at Cedars is a freak show. There's always someone throw. it's just whatever. So we go, and the first door is locked. And the second one of three is being cleaned by the cleaning lady, and then there's the third one. So the cleaning lady says, go in the third one. And we say, oh, there's no one in there. And she says, no, there's no one in there so we say okay so we go to open the door and it seems to be locked now i got to tell you something when i am about to enter a bathroom that's a single use only and the door's locked i don't bang on the door because someone's probably in there that's probably why the door is locked okay like when i used to do stand up in coffee houses Every time I would go into a restroom, someone would come and beat the door down because they were so full of caffeine and needed to pee so badly they were out of their minds and they tried try to break the door down. And I promised myself then that I would never be like that. So we try the handle. It's locked. And the lady's like, huh? And I'm like, wow, someone's in there. And she's like, no, there isn't. I'm like, baby, it's locked. And she's like, uh-uh. So she tries the door and it's locked. And she bangs on the door, but nobody answers. And I almost jokingly say to Hudson, I bet there's someone in there dead. Ha, ha, ha. But luckily I didn't. And there was no one in there dead. I don't mean to foreshadow something that's not coming. There was no one in there dead. Okay? But she opens the door and there's someone in there dead asleep. There's a drunk dude in there who has set up camp. He's got his blanket on. He's sleeping it off. His shoes are off, He sprawled out onto the, you can't imagine how filthy the floor must be in there, floor of the bathroom in Cedars. So we're like, okay, not going in that one. So she has us go in the middle one and Hudson's in there trying to relieve himself while we can hear the security guy trying to rouse the drunk. So he's this very pleasant sounding Jamaican guy going, hey, man, wake up, man. You can't sleep here man. Man wake up man. Man wake up. Don't don't make me come with reinforcements man. Wake up man. Wake up. Man wake up. Man you can't stay or wake up man. This goes on for 5 minutes. And we're standing in the bathroom because we don't want to open the door when this fight because this guy was big. We don't want to open the door and try to make a run for it while this gigantor drunkathon is happening. Right? Finally, they rouse him, so we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, we're like, okay, listen, I think he went for reinforcements. Let's make a run for it. So we run for it. Just after we run for it, they bring the guy out, and he's like, wow, he's like Godzilla, drunken dreadlocked Godzilla ah, through the ER waiting room. So we say goodbye to the girls when we go to leave and he's sitting outside on a bench and we're like, uh-oh, does drunken Godzilla dreadlocked Tiki man, does he know that we're the guys that got him ousted? Because if we hadn't come along having to empty our bladders, he would still be in there getting a cat nap. So, my cousin, don't look at him, just keep walking, man, because I don't want him to all over, right, to us. Well, by the time we, because now, we're nowhere near the freeways. We're nowhere near the freeways. Now, I won't bore you with the details, but Pasadena is about 30 miles, maybe 28 miles, 28, 30 miles, let's say 30 miles from our house. And we didn't get there till seven. We started psychologically traveling at quarter of four, let's say four o'clock. We didn't get there till seven. Now, the plan had always been Hudson and I would drive up there and then probably get set up and then probably eat and then probably come home. But as we're driving up there and it's hour three and it's almost seven, we're on the freeway. We're just about in Pasadena. We're like, Hudson, do you think we should probably eat before we go sign you in? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm hungry and I don't think I'm going to be able to think straight if we don't eat first. And he says, I know. So we get off the freeway ends. The 10 uh, 110 just ends and you're in Pasadena. And I'm like, okay, what are we looking for? And he says, Green Street. And I said, okay. And then a green, what do we do? We turn right. Okay. So we're looking for green and we're looking for green. And somehow Hudson notices that we know the people behind us. It's one of the other girls from science fair and her mom, my friend, Carol, Carol, who's awesome. Carol is awesome. Okay. If you're expecting me to say something bad about Carol, it's not going to happen. Carol, you're awesome. So I'm like, holy crap, it's Carol. It's Carol and her daughter. What, what are the odds of us randomly arriving? Now, granted, obviously we're going to the same place, but listen, you could arrive at the place at any moment from 2 PM to quarter of nine, or quarter of 10, no quarter of eight quarter of the nighttime sometime in the night and she's right behind us but she makes the mistake of sort of following us and i sort of don't know where we're going and i'm sort of really super hungry but luckily she has the wherewithal to pull around and go in front of us and pull over and then run over to the car like hey guys um let's just park over there and we're like okay and then we go but now that we've seen carol and her daughter don't you kind of, and I guess we didn't have to, but my brain just goes, well, now we're with Carol and her daughter will eat later because now we're with them. And if we stay with them, maybe we can all figure out where to go. And if we don't stay with them, we're going to have to drag all his stuff to, to wherever we're going to eat and then we're going to get lost. And I don't know what's happening. I'm really hungry. And Carol seems to know where to go. She seems to know where to go. She seems to know where to park. She seems to know where to walk. She seems to know where to go in. I don't care. I'm following Carol. Well, a sign-up is a labyrinth of science geeks and and partitions in a convention center. Every convention center is the same. This happens to be a very nice one, but they're all like, you know, like temporary walls. And they have set up really such a labyrinth that I'm expecting a piece of cheese at the end. But we're, we keep standing in these lines and we keep seeing the projects of these other kids. Now, granted, some of them are, there's two sections. There's the junior high section and then there's the senior high section. And the seniors, you know, we can see their projects and they're on these big, beautiful boards and they're all laminated and, and typeset and photographed and they've got easels that they're bringing, uh, crazy. And the, the kid behind, uh, in front of us, in line, I can see his project because he's got it under his arm, and I'm trying for 40 minutes to read the title as we worm our way through all these different booths and checkpoints and whatever. I can't read the title. It's so scientific about the, the reaction of erectilialis on the vertebrate of the reconciliation of the placebo effect. Oh, we're in two, four, with a, 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 a reaction. And it has something to do with maybe radiation or radioactive isotopes and their effect on a certain rare jellyfish or crab or clam. It has something to do with either water or air, some sort of gases or mechanics. It had something to do with electricity or else plant life. I really couldn't tell what was going on, but it had charts and graphs. It had Venn diagrams. It had flow charts. It had spreadsheets. Uh, It had, you gotta be kidding, written all over it. And I'm starting to worry about Hudson's uh, citrus electricity project. Because I'm not sure he was really pushed enough. Especially after seeing the rectitaliae seriosis project no granted that's a senior project he's right so maybe he's still got a chance I, I don't know and he doesn't seem like he wants to win but you know he also doesn't want to be embarrassed but he is kind of hoping that his friend elijah will win something because he really likes elijah's project and he really likes elijah and he's behind elijah all the way so science fair goes fine I guess, you know, the kids have their displays, they go in, parents aren't allowed to go in there. I don't know if chaperones are allowed to go in, you know, like school chaperones, but the kids have um, interviews scheduled and then maybe the judges will come back and interview them again and then they break for lunch and then, then they have to stand at their display all day from two to five in case they're going to be interviewed again. Now, to me, this is probably the the biggest challenge of the whole thing is the endurance of just standing there from two to five, three hours of nauseating boredom. But I'm getting a little work done on the old laptop, you know, and every once in a while Hudson would just appear out of nowhere like, Dad, I've got a break and I got an interview in 20 minutes. I'll see you later. I love you. Bye. But we had a great time. We all hung out. You know, the kids hung out, I kind of hung out on the side. You know, I don't want to cramp anyone's style. You know what I mean? A bunch of teenagers don't need me hanging around while they're trying to eat some uh, egg food young, you know. But they had a great day and we all drove back. You know, me and my two extras and my son. And talked about how it was fun and how, you know, they wish they had uh, maybe pushed a little harder on the projects. They felt like some of the other kids were really like stepping it up. You know what I mean? And Hudson kept saying he really hoped Elijah would get at least an honorable mention, because he had had a bunch of interviews and it had gone really well. And Carol's daughter had done well. Everybody had done well, but he, for some reason Hudson was really just rooting for Elijah to uh, get some, you know, some like come on. And he had a cool project where he was melting bones with acid. Anything, any experiment that involves acid and bones, I think you're good to go. But Hudson was the only one who seemed to be amped about going the next day for the awards thing. Because <laughs> he just keeps saying, well, I think it'll be fun. It'll be good. And, you know, we're, we did it. We did the thing. We might as well go to the awards show thing. Okay. Well, Carol's daughter can't do it. Elijah can't do it. He's doing this and she's doing that. No, no, no. So Hudson and I just decide, you know, eff it, we're going to go. We'll go Saturday. And, uh, you know, we'll make yet another day of it. Wrapping up the trilogy that has been the three days of science fair. So he and I drive out there. We do not have to stop off at Cedar Sinai to drop off money and rouse the homeless, which I thought made the trip much more enjoyable. And Hudson and I, we go and we pick up his project and we get Carol's daughter's project. And there's always an idiot. You know, there's always a mouse pride guy. You know what a mouse pride is? It's like, you have no power in the world. But you think in this one situation today, maybe for the next two hours, you have some sort of authority over someone and you've just got to exercise that faux authority. So, you can't take the displays out of the exhibit hall because everything's barcoded. So unless your barcode matches the barcode on the projects, you can't do it. Well, Carol wanted us to pick up her daughter's thing. So she brought the barcode to our house. So as we're walking out, we're getting in the lines. You got to check out, you know, with the barcode checkout line, right? And this guy, and you can always kind of spot this guy a mile away, the mouse pride guy, the guy that's just got to flex what he doesn't have. Hey, you can't take that out. Like, oh, well, we're sorry. We thought if we had the barcode, no, you can't do that. You can only take out your own. Like, oh, okay, but because we, we have our friends, well, you could have gotten that barcode anywhere. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. You think that I go around jacking the barcodes off of 12-year-olds so I can steal their science fair projects? Really? Really. But he had that kind of look like maybe one of the chromosomes had bent. And it was kind of short-circuiting on one of the other chromosomes. You know what I mean? There's some sort of electrical, biochemical electron. uh, There's some sort of malfunction going on. His jaw was just a little too wide, and his eyes were just a little too narrow for me to go, Oh, okay. And my wise friend Jim, Jim Cush, Henry, once said, and I hope I'm quoting him correctly because it's this is very wise. It's a wise, wise thought. Jim says, never accept a no from someone who cannot say yes. Right? Never say let's let, this bears repeating. Never accept a no from someone who can't say yes. Well, this guy was definitely a no guy. He was not a yes guy. He was definitely there to just be an angry, thick-jawed, right? Short-circuiting, no guy. So finally, we get him to say, well, you got to go over there. That's the guy that handles the, you know, special cases. So we go stand in the special cases line. And special cases guy is busy with one of the special cases. So then the lady next to him gets freed up and we're going like, listen, we're really sorry, but our friend and we thought in a barcode and she's like, oh, do you you have the barcode? And we're like, yeah, and we're so busy apologizing. She's checking us out. I'm hucking and jiving and I'm like, wow, you know, and Carol, she came by and she's like, okay, you're all set. Like, What do you mean? That guy over there was about ready to give me a body cavity search and you're telling me that we can go? Yeah, you yeah, had the barcode. Everything's cool. All right, good luck tonight at the awards. Good luck. So we go to islands. We get some food. And I'm starting to get this feeling from Hudson. These, these mixed feelings from, uh, from him. Because since we left the actual science fair the day before, he had been kind of beating himself up about his project, and he keeps saying things like, "Well, you know, I wish I'd try to think of a more scientific project, you know, something a little more complex. Wish my presentation had been a little better, you know." He felt he felt kind of outgunned. Now well, next year I'll do so much better, and you know, and we did, da-da, and I'm already thinking of ideas. And the other half of him. Even though he was saying, I'm rooting for Elijah to at least get an honorable mention, he had this hopefulness. This hopefulness that I was trying not to encourage or squash. I didn't want to encourage it because I didn't think he should be so hopeful. Because his thing was pretty straightforward. And the presentation was pretty casual. He didn't break a sweat on either front. And he's a very smart and capable man. So I know when he brings it and I just wasn't sure that he brought it. But he keeps saying, well, I just hope, I just hope that Elijah, at least Elijah, if Elijah could just get an honorable mention, at least. But I want to make sure I'm there. I want to make sure I'm there. I want to make sure I'm there because, uh, 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 you know, you never know. You never know. And I couldn't. It all depends on the categories, you know, because everybody's in a different category and there are different numbers of people in each category. So maybe the competition will be (laughs) different. So we go into the uh, awards show and it's in the Pasadena Civic Center, which is a beautiful old building. God knows when they built it. But like a real, you know, beautiful old school civic center. And we sit and we wait and, you know, uh, Wyland is auctioning off some art, whatever that, you know who I mean. Do you know who I mean? I mean, is he even a guy where you live? I think he's a guy, I think he's quote unquote Wyland here because he painted the mural on the Long Beach Aquarium or the old Long Beach Aquarium or uh, maybe it was just a oil refinery that he painted a whale on it and now we're all like, oh, that's not spewing toxic crap into the air, it's got a whale. How can something with a whale mural on it be killing you? It's impossible. Exactly. Okay, so Whalen's up there with some lady and some other guy. and We don't know because we just walked in, but they're still, they're wrapping up the big auction, the raffle, all that kind of jazz. And the awards thing begins and they instruct the children. Oh, it's a well-oiled machine, my friend. These are scientists, by the way. You know, it's all about process, collecting data using that data, parsing out that data, right? Okay. So they say, all right, parents stay in the back and kids come up front because uh, we're going to call you up to the stage and we want to recognize everybody because President Obama said that we should applaud for the science fair and we're going to do that. So everybody's going to come up on stage. Now this thing is scheduled to be two hours, which seems like a long time anyway. And they call up the... Now we would like to call to the stage... The participants in the category of Microbiology as it pertains to Plant Life Junior Division. All of you, please come to the stage. You will go over to stage left where Mrs. Adams will escort you to the stage. Please, Microbiology as it pertains to Plant Life Junior Division, please come to the stage. And three people get up and slowly walk. From the left side of the stage, audience left to audience right, in their high heels, in their borrowed suits, as slowly as possible. And they disappear where Mrs. Adams is, you know, they disappear backstage. And then five minutes later, now I don't know what kind of labyrinth they've got back there in the Civic Center that you, it takes 10 or 20 minutes to get from the door to the backstage, and then around the backstage, and then to the actual stage. I don't know if they go out and then they have to go back to L.A. to then go come back to the stage. I don't know, but we're literally like the stage is empty, and tick, 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 and tick, tick, tick. So finally, the people from microbiology as it pertains to plant life junior division hit the stage. And they read their names and they say who gets an honorable mention and who gets first, second, first and they all you know uh, 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 uh. and no one is there really kind of hurting the kids there are a couple of people standing there never really introduced them oh am i supposed to was i supposed to be here for three hours and know who that woman is no so then finally these microbiology as it pertains to plant life kids leave the stage junior division and we're all applauding and then the stage is empty And trust me, I have this complaint about every scholastic thing I go to. No one realizes they're in showbiz. Then the guy goes, now I would like to have come to the stage. If you would please move over to uh, audience right, stage left to Mrs. Adams. She will escort you to the stage. Uh, Please come to the stage now. Microbiology as it pertains to plant life. Senior division. And in slow motion, six, seven kids all stand up, like right? And then walk slowly in borrowed suits and high heels. The what feels like two-mile walk just to get to the other side of the stage. For some reason, all the kids are sitting on the wrong side of the room. This goes on for 40 minutes. Category after finally they realize, hey, I know what we should do. Let's just call three groups at once and then we'll line them up in this obviously cavernous area backstage where the kids can't seem to get the two feet from the door to the stage. Let's call them in three groups at a time to walk up and, uh, uh, right? Never does it occur to them, hey, listen, kids, could you all just go over and sit on the right side of the audience, please? Could you, could you do that? And then when you come out on stage, could you hoof it, man? Could you go up, shake his hand, shake her hand, stand there, wait for your name to be called and get the hell off? Well, all this time as I'm sitting here and I'm trying to stay awake, you know, and I don't know where Hudson is because Hudson wanted to go sit with the kids, which I thought was good of him. You know, well, it turns out he was only about 10 feet ahead of me. He just was ahead of me because he was in the kid section. And they finally get to, uh, you know, the melting bones with acid category, junior division, whatever that was. And I realized that it's Elijah's category. And I, so I get out the camera because they're putting all the honorable mentions on a big screen, their names, you know. I got the camera out and I'm waiting and I'm waiting because what they would do is they would have everybody go up. And you figure this out fairly quickly. Everybody from the category goes up and they go, okay, we'd like to recognize, which means we'd like to say the name of, for the sake of the president, the following kids who are not going to get anything. And they say, you know, Abigail and Brian and Colleen and Daryl, and then get the hell off. And everybody claps. And then they say, okay, honorable mentions to... Right. And then they say, you know, Fred and Ginger and whatever, whatever. And then they all get on it with clap, clap, clap. And then third place, second place, and then first place for their, you know, project. So they're doing Elijah's Melt Your Bones with Acid project uh, category. And when they want to recognize people, they don't mention Elijah. So I'm like, oh my gosh. He must have an honorable mention. Now, we knew at this point that no none of the kids, we knew first, first, second, or third, because we would have found out, because they would have called the kids, and the kids would, right, okay. So, I get the camera, and I take a picture of Elijah's name, ching when it's on the screen. And then they do a couple more categories, couple, and they're going by number. And I think Hudson's like J08 or J18, J37, I don't know. Well, so then Hudson comes up to me. When it's almost his turn. Now, Elijah got an honorable mention. And it turns out Carol, her daughter, got an honorable mention in her category. Which was um, um, experiments that involve shaking up bottles of Coca-Cola. It was that division. So then they're about to mention the we made electricity out of oranges division. Whatever that was. And Hudson comes running up to me and goes, okay, dad, right? I got to go. It's almost now. But I want you to videotape. I want you to videotape when they're calling the names. And he's so excited. And I'm like, okay, buddy. This is going to be great or not. So now I've got my camera. His camera, my camera bag, his camera bag, and I'm sitting in the back. So what I'm going to need to do when it's his turn is go up, run to the front, where he walks out, and then videotape and simultaneously still photographize, still photo, mm, him, please, God, please, getting an honorable mention, because clearly now, even though he won't say the words out loud, he really... Really, really, even though he knows, not even deep down, right on the surface, knows that he's not going to get, because he doesn't deserve it, he thinks he's going to get one. So they call making electricity out of citrus fruit, junior division, and all the kids go out, and there's Hudson, he's looking good, you know, Hudson likes to look good, in kind of a, you know, casual hipster, L.A. way, you right? he's got on his black. Shoes, his black corduroys, his black shirt, some sort of, I don't know, skull on it or dragon or something in dark gray. You know, he's looking good. He's, he's right. Okay. So I'm videotaping with one eye. I'm photographing with the other eye. I'm squatting in front of the stage, right? Audience, right? I'm getting a decent enough shot, I guess. And they're just about, we would like to recognize the following kids. I'm going, please don't, don't do it. Don't say it! Hudson Kloss. And the most dejected looking boy I have ever seen. Steps forward to be recognized. Not mentioned honorably but recognized. And even though he knew deep down right on the surface, that he shouldn't be mentioned honorably, it hurt. And it stung. And I got it all in 720p. Now, when you're done being recognized or mentioned honorably or winning third, second, or first, You leave the stage, and you're escorted to the photo area where they take your picture. They've got lights and a backdrop, L.A. County Science Fair and Science Exhibit and something else, engineering, science fair, whatever. So I'm sitting in my seat because I don't want to embarrass Hudson by going to find him. He's 12. He doesn't need his daddy in that way, in that hug me way, in that hug me and let me cry on your shoulder way. He's 12. So that's not it. But I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I can just see in my mind's eye that kid standing in line to have his picture taken. Crushed. And time is just dragging on and on. Category after category. And he's not back. He's not back. He's standing in some line. With a bunch of other kids, I suppose. They got recognized. And I'm hoping that he's standing there. Thinking about next year and not this year. About how great it'll be next year and not how crushing it is right now. How next year he'll know, he'll know the complexity that's expected of a 13-year-old. He'll know the level of panache and polish. He will have seen it, he will have been there and done that. So next year, next year. But it hurts now. when he came back to the seat he tried to sound lighthearted and he tried to smile but it was just too hard and he was really happy for Elijah and really happy for Carol's daughter But then again, that made it worse, too. They were in, he was out. And he wasn't the only one from his school. There were two other kids that were mentioned. Excuse me, were recognized. Recognized. Hey, we recognized you. Didn't you bring a project that was okay? Okay. But this is life For father and son You have to decide how to react to these things What comes next Do you fold up and move along Or do you just get up and brush yourself off Only time will tell by the way an orange makes a terrible battery Thanks for listening to the Bitterest Pill, Pod, Thing, Audio Blog. Yeah, 888-315-5753. Nobody calls anymore. You don't call. You don't write. What is it with me, man? You don't love me anymore. Okay, forget that. So listen up. Pretty soon, once I get out from under, uh, you know, normal life, maybe? I don't know. Whatever's going on, I got to go through, back through all, all our... Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, what I'm going to start doing because I've been completely neglecting the not premium listeners I'm going to start releasing what is now known as pillbox number one uh, free as you know part of the free feed through iTunes and all all that jazz so you know like a, on a weekly basis not exactly maybe in order because I do want the holiday shows to sync up with the actual holidays in the actual world but so we'll you know it'll get worked out. So, yeah, that'll be coming along fairly soon. I will definitely let you know. And then um, I'm almost ready. Hopefully next week I can pull the trigger on Pillbox 2, the year, the second year of the Bitter's Bill Premium back online and available uh, for all your joyous joy. It's always weird to go through that stuff. I'm so, I, I, it's so easy to romanticize the past. Like I hate I hate the podcast as I'm doing them. And then I look back a couple of years later and go, oh, that was some really nice stuff. So yeah, year two is actually, I'd be interested in if I had time to listen and I could stand the sound of my own voice, I I would actually listen to that. Anyway, yeah, year two, we'll get, we'll get more into that later. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for supporting the bitterest pill. My friends, if you have any insight on the manager situation, by the way, we were talking about that earlier, weren't we? I'm just having a hard time. I don't know. I got to get out, but I don't know if it's worth like paying someone thousands of dollars to do it that I would otherwise get to... I know, it's weird, it's weird. Anyway, all right, uh, listen, I'll talk to you later. Practice your instruments. Work hard. Keep your jellyfish away from radiation. Okay? I mention you honorably. Twitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...